from runasradio.com. You're listening to Run As Radio, the internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell. This is Brandon Wen announcing show number 356, The End of XP with guest Mark Manassi. Recorded Tuesday, January 28th, 2014. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pwop Productions, providing professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash runasradio. Thank you, Brandon. This is Richard Campbell, and thanks for listening to Run As Radio. Uh, going back to one of my favorite guests in the whole world and a dear friend of mine, Mr. Mark Manassi. Uh, can I even read this bio? It's like a novel. What? The biography? No, 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 no. Let's, no, no, no. It's not to the bi- biography. If anybody wants it, it's on my site. Um, but if they're listening, they've probably heard it before. And if not, you know, I've never understood why we care. Because the thing is, like, you, you and I are at a lot of conferences. Yes. And sometimes the keynote speaker is not me. It happens, you know. It's strange, and, but true. So, you know, and Joe Smith's going to be up there, and somebody stands up, and first of all, it's like the person who's introducing it's probably running the conference, nice people, we love them, but not great speakers. They're the people that, you know how this is, we've got a 45-minute talk, and the, the owner of the show says, I'm just going to get up there for two minutes. Right. And the first thing is, you have to understand, 45 minutes, I've got every minute planned. That's a real two minutes. That's 120 seconds. And if it isn't, I have a problem. And But they kind of wander on for a while. And then they have to do the introduction. The introduction, there's several scripts, two or three of them. But one is, we're very pleased today to have Mr. Rick Campbell. Nice. Um, Rick is an expert. We know that because he is from more than 50 miles away and carries a briefcase. Pause for laughter. I hope you will. It's like at that point, he's pushed the button in your head, says boring presentation about to begin and tucks you in. Now, you know, you or I I can wake people up afterwards. But it's sort of like I'm either there because like, for example, I have been the second speaker at a bunch of conferences where when I found out who the first speaker was, I was just just shoot me. Um, I was at a conference. I was a regular speaker opening speaker at this one conference years ago where their keynote guys were James Lovell, uh, Apollo 13 commander, right. Bill Cosby, <laughs> General Colin Powell, Dave Barry, the Florida humorist. And I'm just like, really? What did I ever do? Like, there are people who think I'm a pretty good speaker, but I mean, come on. Yeah, that is quite a lineup. That, I, mean, I felt good being that Bill Cosby was my opening act, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Cosby did not see it in that way, because when I said that to him, he didn't even smile. No. It's just sort of like, how many times do you think I've heard that kid? Oh, sorry, sir, I'm just really sorry. Would you hit me or something? I'd feel better if you do that. And uh, so so it's sort of like, but I'm saying, when Colin Powell's going to be the guy, I'm like, dude, can I sit up front? But then they'll bring in somebody where I've never heard of him before. Yeah. But it doesn't matter because they start talking and it's great. They've got some terrific, like a TED talk, right? Yeah. When was the last time you watched a TED talk and you knew who the guy was? I mean, it's like one time out of eight or sure. one time out of ten. It's, Once in a while, it's way, Bill Gates, you know? Bill's a, Bill's, 
Bill's a great guy. I have a lot of respect for um, uh, William. But the thing is, I've never been really thrilled by anything he's had to say. I mean, I... Uh, no, when you bring up the TED Talk, because his TED Talk, where he opened the, jar, the thing of mosquitoes and said, why should only poor people get malaria? I thought was the funniest thing he's ever done in his life. I, I died at that moment. It was so funny. Okay, so he's done that shtick a number of times. Yeah. So it was... And by the way, it was, it was, it was a great... Well, yes, it was the funniest thing that Bill's ever said, but, you know, now we're grading on a curve, right? So when you said it's the funniest thing, I mean, you know, I mean it wouldn't be the funniest thing Richard Campbell's ever said, you know, so, or the funniest thing that Mark Manassi's ever said. Yeah. But then again, Bill's got all the brains working for whatever, is, whatever he had going for him. And, uh, and by the way, by the way, this has nothing to do with any of radio stuff, but if you have Netflix, anybody out there, if you have Netflix... There's a there's a, a a TED thing. It's a collection of TED things about food. It's called like just try this or eat this or something like this. Right. It's it's about there's somewhere between three minutes and and twenty minutes. You will be hooked. Some TED talks are a little too like let's all go out and be better people. Yeah 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 yeah. That these are. Um, I want to say that if there's twenty of them, I could be wrong. Nineteen of them are fascinating. I mean. Uh, one of my personal heroes, Peter Reinhardt, a guy who writes, he is an educator who is better than you or me. Yeah. And it's about baking bread. And he does his TED talk about this, which is just, it just gets better and better and better. And the punchline, it's like, there's not a dry eye in the house. I mean, he's just, you're just like, he's going to save the world and I want to go bake bread. And so if there's nothing else you get out of this run out radio, and there probably will not be, then you should uh, do that. And along, along those lines also, I think it's important to pass along something useful, and one is relevant to where I was. For those who don't know, I told Richard I wouldn't be able to be here on time to get this done because this winter storm was coming, and there was some battening down that needed to be done, and I was waiting at a car dealership. These guys were doing some last-minute stuff for me. It was absolutely great, but they were going to run a little late, and I thought I was going to be able to make it. I'm like, oh, my God. So I'm rushing up, and I don't I, – I had – 20 minutes, and the GPS said it was going to take 17 minutes, so I, I was, you know, trying to go as fast as I reasonably could, but not quite, and I was reminded that this cool thing that a mathematician, an Israeli mathematician came up with about two months ago is, you know how when you're driving on a road, we've all seen this, where all of a sudden, traffic comes to a halt. Right. And you, you, it's like, you've got to be someplace, and, and it's just not moving, and I'm... I'd like to tell you I'm a better person than I am. I try to be a better person, Richard. But, you know, after about seven minutes, and we're doing the stop, and the stop, go, stop, go, stop, go, stop, go, and nobody knows what's going on. When we get there, I want to see disembodied heads. I want to see dead people. Bodies on pikes. Hang in there. I want the big hoses and like red stuff. I don't know what it is. Red stuff and things that look like sausages are being are being hosed <laughs> off the road. That for you is a good traffic jam. <laughs> but that, that's you know that's that's what I want. Either that, or I want to find out who actually caused the accident with their car they didn't maintain properly or because they were busy texting. And I think that they should have to pay the hourly rate of the ten thousand people that they made wait for thirty minutes. Nice. Because at that point, you know, everybody drives well because otherwise it's going to impoverish you. you know? But anyway, so what he found is, and, and you know what happens is, is there's some times where it just clears up all of a sudden. And you're like, what the heck was that? <laughs> what happened and there? The, so we, we know what happened there is that if you're intelligent, then you get a little twitchy 
Certain things make you twitchy when you're driving. So you will start slowing down, first of all, if you get near the person in front of you, unless you're a guy that was following me up you know, from, from uh, Virginia. And when you see somebody's brake lights, you're thinking, these people are morons. And so I better slow down, too, because I don't know what the moron's doing. And there's a cascade effect where this can very quickly become one of these little knots. And the guy did some math on it, and he said, you know, the answer really is that there are other signs, there are deeper signs that you'd say, should I slow down or should I not? And he says, this could be built into cars, but he says, here's a workaround. There's a workaround that everyone can do. No matter where you are, put your car between the car in front and the car in back. Equidistant. Equidistant. The idea is that if you're too close, you're a tailgater and you should die. You know, But I mean, you're, you're making the guy in front of you. Uh, nervous and 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 if there is an accident, it becomes a problem quickly. And if you're too far back, etc. So I guess if he, he did all the math on this, and so as, if we did that, then we can all avoid those kinds of things. But anyway, we should probably talk about something IT related. We do that sometimes. We do. And what did you want to talk about today? Well, you know, I'm always you're the Windows guy. I'm looking up at my mastering Windows servers books right now. I have a whole collection of them. Oh, you're just too kind. And a liar, but... Um, it's not, you know, it's true, they're right there. I can point out. Recently, that. my friend, um, Ed Wilson, or I believe his wife, Teresa Wilson, scripting yes. man, or scripting guy, scripting wife, posted that they were watching an episode of a TV show called Veronica Mars. Oh, yes. From, I, I don't know, I don't, I, it's, it's, a, it's a Fox drama or something like that. Yep. And it, it's like 2003, and uh, this is how quick Teresa's brain is, is that... She's watching this, and she says, run that back, and she gets a screen capture, and Veronica Mars is like looking, I guess that's her, she's looking intently at somebody, I guess she's in question, and the bookshelf behind her is Mastering Windows Server uh, (laughs) 4.0. That's it, man, I have finally made it. You're on TV. I can quit now. There you go. I can quit there. But anyway, so yeah, Windows, and the funny thing is, so for those who haven't been following the story, right, uh, on October 25th of 2001, not long after 9-11, mm-hmm. Windows comes out with a version of Windows that supports wireless networking. That's pretty awesome. And uh, you all know it. And it's, uh, the, we don't know why it's called what it was called. But we do know that for a long time, Microsoft used to have a code name for what Windows ought to be one of these days. Nice. <laughs> the one in the 90s was Cairo. Right. And and the word around Microsoft was all roads lead to Cairo, which meant that Microsoft people had never taken history history class. And so, but then they got these other names in the middle, and then there was going to be Whistler, and then and then and then it became Blackcomb. Right. Blackcomb for a while that was the one. Blackcomb. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But Blackcomb was the the ultimate one that we never got then yeah. either. You know. But anyway, so uh, one version of the story that I like is that it's not actually XP. It's the Greek letter chi, as in chi-squared, and the Greek letter rho, which looks like a P. So XP is Windows Cairo. Nice. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's a story that I've heard. And and I'm telling you this story because this is the Windows. Now, you have a techie. Okay, we have a techie audience here at Ronas Radio, and so true. I'm probably not. I'm probably not going to say this. This what I'm going to say is probably not correct. But if we had a thousand people. Randomly selected from the tens, hundreds of millions, perhaps billions that are running Windows, I'd be willing to bet that we'd have maybe forty percent running right. XP, even mm-hmm. as we say this. Do you think it's still that high? 
still that high? So maybe I'm wrong about that because, because let's actually let's 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 start out. All those point of sale systems that are out there, that are basically XP boxes, those are going to get upgraded. You know, you know they were dragged out of the cold dead hands of the shopkeepers who are using them because you know guess what? It does the job. Right. You know, it's just, you know, nobody wants XP. They just want a point of sale system. You know. Yeah. Here's the stat uh, from Net Applications as of December 2013, XP still had 29 percent of the desktop market. Mostly okay. in All China. Right. So, so in, in other words, if you're on the net and we're running our NSA stuff to find out what your computer is, then we know that it's actually. So you're going to say 30% worldwide. Okay, okay. Yeah. And, 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 I, and I believe it because I, I was going to say 50%, but then I, I realized I should correct myself because the only reason people are going to go to Windows Vista or Windows 7 or Windows 8 is when they're upgrading. And I guess a computer's got a maximum lifetime of what? Six years? Yeah, maybe 10 before... I mean, eventually the fans fail and the machine's going to overheat, right? Yeah, that's... If we're talking about a desktop, that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But anyway, there's a fair fair amount of XP out there. So, and then Vista came along and no one liked that except me. Mm -hmm. And then Vista came out with a new paint job and everyone loved it, you know, Windows 7. And then... And basically, the guy who gave us Windows Seven, the you know the the shepherd or whatever, was this guy Stephen Sanofsky. And Sanofsky, who also brought us the ribbon, by the way, I'm told in office, yep. one of my favorite guys. And I mean, basically, all Sanofsky did was he said, oh, "We got a secret program. You can't tell anybody what's happening. You know, it might be a desktop operating system. It might not be. You know, we're not, we're not even going to give it a code name. Right? Windows Seven did not have a code name, like I don't know Belgrade or something like that. <laughs> and and they came out and they got the thing done in under a year because I saw it in November. I saw like an, I was one of the first people, first week of November, and it was the day before the American election day, and it was like the first time almost anybody got to see this Windows Seven thing, and they shipped it. They did a release to manufacturing. Correct me if I'm wrong. About mid August of the following year, and then Windows Seven release day was mid October somewhere. Uh, so this is 2009. So they, they first showed it to us in late 2008. We saw it mid to late 2009. And you're like, wow, here's a version of Windows that doesn't suck. People like it. Sanofsky got it out in under a year between, well, I mean, not really, but it seemed that way. And then he commenced to say, we can do it again. And in 2011, you and I were at Build. Yep. We talked, as I recall, uh, very early, far too early one morning about mm-hmm. new, new stuff in server. And it was the same sort of thing. They showed us a new idea, and, but it was really new. It was really, really new. And how long is it going to take? Well, again, they got it done in under a year. They, they RTM'd the thing, well, I guess it was August, and then they did the release on October 26th of 2012, and that didn't turn out so well. People, for some reason, did not embrace it because, again, ultimately, all people want is XP. Tell me all people want. <laughs> you think everybody's just frozen in time? Uh, you know, it does what they need. Right. Not only that, you know, here's the accidental reason why XP was and will be, in many people's minds, the best operating system ever. Hmm. Because when you get an operating system, you learn a few things. Like if I were to say to you, okay, Richard, what's new in Windows 8.1? You know, at the top of your head, if you thought about it, you could probably write down 35 things that are new. Right. 
But what you don't know are the 2,100 little tweaks that Microsoft just didn't want to confuse us with. Only three people need to know them. But over the next two years, they will slowly leak out as being wonderful things that could solve this or that or the, that or the other problem. And, and so, you know, Windows 8.1, same kind of deal. They thought that they would get this done quickly. And it hasn't really, you know, it hasn't really excited people either. Either Why is XP interesting? Because of the security stuff. You know, Vista was supposed to, supposed to hit in 2003, not 2007. Right. Microsoft got embarrassed by all those worms and that sort of thing. And they said, oh, hang on, we've got to make it secure. They threw away a big bunch of the kernel. They rebuilt it and stuff like that. And as a result, instead of seeing a version of Windows every two years or year and a half or something like that, we didn't see a version of Windows for six years. Right. Well, we had that, XP SP2, which arguably could have been a version of Windows. Because it was actually a breaking change to Windows. There was a bunch of stuff that didn't run after you put in SP2. It's just the RPC service. Only. So, anyway. <laughs> um, okay, that's a point. But, it, but it, it wasn't... It really was... To you and me, it was a new version. Yeah. Because we knew what was going on with the fact that the TCP, you couldn't have half open, more than 20 half-open connections and, you know... The, the firewall's up by default. But for the average bear, it didn't look that different. It re really did not. But the beauty of that six years is it means that that guy running Joe's computer shop in the cheapest little shop he could possibly find, and basically what he does is he, you know, he reinstalls operating systems for people, maybe ones with OEM copies he shouldn't be doing or whatever, and helps them set up their home network and stuff like that. I mean, things you could make money doing from 2001 to 2008. Yeah. Well, he knows all the tricks. Because XP's been out long enough that we know all the registry entries that maybe we, we wouldn't have known others and otherwise. And none of that, he started to get comfortable. And I'm, I'm making it a heat. Um, there are women out there that are doing it, but most women have a much better sense of intelligent ways to make a living. And so I'm going to keep saying he, but I hope I don't offend anyone out there. And uh, that was nice. I mean, I think for a lot of people that were doing desktop support, small business and home desktop support, you know, they could really feel the master of that particular business. And I'm not mocking them. It's a, it's a wonderful feeling. I remember what that was like back in the DOS days when I could write assembler in my head and stuff like that. But I also so, felt like XP was the culmination of that whole stream of the NT and even the 9X line. That was the last version because we changed everything after that. It was a new kernel. It was a new approach to an OS. It, right, it was it was it was not the end of the line for the Windows Nine kernels. It was the it was the thing you had to have because yeah. the end of the line was the was Millennium. <laughs> we don't we don't want to talk um, about that. They they were supposed to all come together in the two thousand edition, and then and then I, it was you who said XP was Windows two thousand with the Fisher Price interface. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's you know, it was it was the NT five point one uh, work se work session. Right. But I've been I've been using it since July two thousand three. So I've been using, it. but I'm saying for the average bear, having to make that move from Windows ninety five ish DOS and drag kind of stuff to something that really was secure was a big deal. I mean, Microsoft was forced to dial back some of XP's security, and it's kind of, I mean, I know why they did it. If they if they hadn't though, well, some of the worms you know wouldn't have happened. But you know they learned that, and that's the idea. You know, this was was the thing that said, okay, school's out, kids. We're not going to provide a platform to make life easy for bad people to do bad things anymore because it's a big scary world, and you don't want the Russians owning all of your <laughs> all of your money and and whatever. And 
So, but I think that's it. I think that there are a lot of people that have a tremendous amount of comfort with supporting XP. And, you know, again, I'm not speaking ill of those people. I could have been, you know, in an alternate universe, I probably was one of those people. When we talk about the pace of change, we really aren't high tech anymore. Things don't change as much as we used to think, that, as much as they used to. But there are some things that do change, and new technologies come on board. Right. And there really is a very strong element, and I'm talking to all the IT pros out there, of either, you know, uh, you're getting on these technologies or under them. And I'll give you an example in my life, is that I have been studiously avoiding certificates for a very long time. <laughs> You laugh, my friend, but it's just, you know, I mean, three technologies that I'm up a creek about is clusters, which came out in 98, ADFS, which came out in 2005, 2006, and certificates, which have been around forever. And I've just been avoiding them because most of my clients don't care about them. Right. However, (laughs) Windows Server 2012 R2 brings that stuff all together with a very, very nice solution that I recommend that everyone look at. I'm not saying do it. But understand that if you're one of those people like me that's cheap and you say, okay, I bought a copy of server, great. I don't want to spend more money. I don't want to buy System Center. I don't want to buy Tivoli right. and stuff like that. I'm going to buy the damned operating system and get everything done with it that you possibly can, even if you have to do a little scripting to do it. That's how I've made my living, writing those big books. And so uh, you know, I'm now at a point now where I'm, I'm furiously catching up on those technologies. Uh, in the same way, if you're an IT pro support person, if you haven't looked at PowerShell, well, you know, you got to get on that bus or you're going to be under it. And that's happening so, so, so quickly. Yeah. And it, and it, it really has been happening quickly. I mean, we are three and a half versions in the PowerShell. It's been around a while now. No, absolutely no, 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 no question about it. The first time that I saw PowerShell was when Jeff Snover showed it to me. And as we talked about at uh, .NET Rocks a few months ago, mm-hmm. uh, back in 2003, if I remember correctly, I want to say it was April April or May of 2003, and I say that because Server 2003 shipped on 24 April of 2003, and it wasn't a month later that that I saw Snover, and he started showing me Monad, which yeah, became PowerShell, yeah, and was excited about it at the time, so I've always kind of kept my finger in it. Mm-hmm. I'm not as smart about it as, you know, uh, Ed Wilson, you know, or uh, any, any of those guys, but I'm, I'm, I'm working at it because it's something that, you know, if you're going to keep doing Windows. But back to our story, is that I think that the reason people... Our focus on XP is they really know it. They understood everything. Yeah. You know, people don't understand everything about Windows 8, 8.1. I'll give you an example. Uh, Vista gave us something really annoying called the user account control thing, UAC, which everybody knows about. Where the, hey, hey, Everybody universally anything, loathes. Precisely. It's the, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to say, I was born sure. Don't ask me that dumb question again. And indeed, UAC let me do that. UAC has a switch that says, stop friggin' annoying me. But as I'm sure you know, with Windows 8 and Windows 8.1, well, if you do that, you can't run Metro apps. And that's <laughs> kind of a problem. Kind of necessary, <laughs> yes. Well, actually, there is a registry workaround that you can do for it, and uh, I'm not sure if it's legal or not, so I'll just tell you to go Google it or bing it. Or but it like also, that. you know, now we get back, we get into the whole Throt's little thing around Win 9, and it sounds like they're reversing a lot of these changes, that they're just going to pull everything back together again. Uh, um who knows? I mean, I, I don't know. Has Paul seen stuff? I, I, honestly, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm admittedly, I'm not a guy to normally deal with rumor, and and he really doesn't seem to have anything confirmed. 
But, you know, since King Sanofsky moved on, it sounds like all of the princes and dukes have gone too, and they, you know, there's a new, new leader in town. Well, you know, Terry Meyerson's done some interesting things in the past yes. at Microsoft. And, you know, let's think back to, was it August? August of 1995. Right. August, August 15th. Uh, Windows 95 ships. There are lines outside of Babbage's at midnight to get a hold of Windows 95. Lines outside it. Because people wanted it. I mean, and I remember the, the first time that Microsoft started saying, you know, you guys need to stop using Windows X and move to Windows X plus one because we're not going to support it anymore. Because I'm thinking in 1995, nobody ever told me to upgrade. I was just, please, Jesus, may I have this thing. I mean, because, <laughs> you know, 3.1 was, okay, we finally got network support, but, you know, not really. And even then, that was Windows for work groups, and you, you had to get the TCP beta code name Wolverine, and when they bite you, that hurts, you know. And you know, all that stuff going on. And, and even now, as a geek... You know, I'm an operating system guy. That's what I do for a living. So if they're going to bring out a new version of the VET, you know, and I'm a, and I'm a car guy, then I'm excited by it. But yeah, you know, there's there's almost nobody that has come up to me and said, "How can I get that Windows 8 early? Is there is there maybe a, do you have an early edition? Is there? Could you possibly share one of your 100 free copies? I'm sure that Microsoft gives you. They don't, by the way, in case you're wondering. And I just don't have that conversation. Yeah. You know? And and I just it's um. And how do they get that back? That's what Windows 9 would have to do. But I, I also wonder if this has got nothing to do with the operating system. I mean, 95 was, in some ways, the pinnacle of the desktop machine. This was the point where regular people actually wanted PCs. And it, they hadn't really wanted them before. The price had come down on the machine. They really had decent graphics. You know, the, the, the 95 was the end of the road of the bifurcation between the Apples and the Ataris and the, um, Amigas and all those sorts of things. And it's like, it's the PC dummy. And then that's where they all ended up. And it, it only went in, you know, it didn't go downhill from there because clearly 98 was a better version than 95. You know, the consolidate, you, you could talk about the bumps in 2000. It but, was the 1.1. 1. 1. Yeah. I mean, w w whenever we have a point increase, we've always seen this many times, that the, we want the, the something point one or the something point five. Yes. And, and that was Windows 7. Mm -hmm. That's why Windows 7 did well. It was the 1.5 version. It was essentially Vista Service Pack 3. Yep. And that's why it was so interesting that by slapping a new paint job on it, that Sanofsky was so successful and became... You know, became the shining lad. Yes. Um, to to me, I feel like you and I could have done that in a weekend. So I wasn't. I personally was not that impressed with the guy. But you know, hey, I've been wrong before. Um, and Windows Eight was done horribly because the whole thing was done in secret. Well, geez, you know, Richard, what the what the hell do you and I know? Uh, you know, why should we put get input? I don't know who they talked to. They certainly didn't talk to anybody that I know. And you know, their heart was in the right place. I mean, they were trying to create something. I'm, I'm still not believing, though, that we need one operating system for the Windows iPads as well as the Windows desktops. And that's, you know, that's, that's kind of the problem. I'm, I mean, left to myself, if, if I ran the zoo, I would have taken the quite nice Windows 7 phone interface and stuck it on cheap hardware and, and had a tablet that way. You know, much the same way Apple did. Yeah. 
Well, and it, and is, there's an interesting schism there. At the same time, Microsoft also decided to take on Intel with the threat of ARM, which seems to ultimately have amounted to nothing because Intel's done a pretty good job of making low power processors that actually can run everything. So it seems like the ARM line is gone. Dude, that's, that's, look, look, look. if I had a billion dollars, I would take a hundred million bucks and I would just create startups to keep Microsoft and Intel and Apple honest. Yeah. I mean, think think about it. Why do we have this wonderful, wonderful virtualization support in in even cheap little tiny Pentia? It's it's because of AMD. Right. I mean, why do we have these i5s? These i5s are friggin' insane. I can't believe I get that kind of power and that kind of battery life. It's impressive as hell. And we only have it because Microsoft went after ARM. You know, hey, my hats are off them. And by the way, I don't think the Surface is dead. I like my Surface. I don't use it as much as I as I want to because there's still a paucity of apps. Yeah. I also think but, that we're still in the flux of multiple computing devices. That absolutely. You will never yeah, yeah. use any given machine you own as much as you used to a few years ago when you had a machine. We just don't work that way anymore. And it, it, But it really speaks to the way software should be built. If you know this guy's going to pick up his tablet maybe one hour every other day, He's never going to really be an expert with it. He's never going to really custom tailor it. It better work the way he wants right. it to work at the time. And, and by the way, that last thing you said is definitely the case. Part of it, of course, is that, I, is that I deploy stuff. But still, yeah, I'm really tired of configuring systems. Yeah. Which is why I have two suggestions for Windows 9. There's two things that I want to see. These are not predictions. These are things that would make Windows 9 better. First is a technical one. It will appeal only to techies, but it will it will it will warm the cockles of their heart and gladden gladden their souls. I want to be able to rename a computer without rebooting it because <laughs> <laughs> think about it. You know how many times do you or I have to build a server, much less a desktop? And I'm a scripty guy, right? You know, right. I mean, whether it's going to be a batch file or whether it's going to be a Power PowerShell script or a VB script, all those things are wonderful. But there's going to, if there's a reboot in the middle of it, don't tell me about Windows workflow infrastructure. Yes, it's lovely, it's wonderful, and I'm learning it. But you know, I just don't make don't make me reboot. We heard a no reboot promise in like '97. Oh, it's just and, the biggest lie. Um. The problem has to do with the fact that because the security software is really, really low-baked in the operating system, and because the name, that is the friendly name, the human name, like PC-34 or Richard's PC, is the real name. I mean, what, what happened in a perfect world is that the real name of your computer is some 16 you know, 28-hex 20, character GUID global unique ID thing. Uh, does 100% of its name, and 95% of the naming is done by the human name that you and I use. Yeah. And so the human name should be easy to change. That should yeah. really be in the next one. That's the first one. And the second one is, and everyone will understand this one. Everyone will understand this one. I want a shutdown that says shutdown. No, I really mean it. Um, because you travel as much as I do, I know that you've had as many times as I had where the meeting's over, you got to get the plane, we shut the machine down. I want to shut it down because I don't really trust sleep. Sleep's a lot better than it used to be. Yeah, but that doesn't mean it's good. I've still been hosed a few times. And so, 
if I'm about to get on the plane, I'm going to shut the machine down. And then it's like installing update one of 23. Don't turn your computer off or it won't work anymore. It's like, but, uh, but the FAA, but the stewardess is going to hurt. You know? Yeah. I want the, the, I'm shutting it down and I mean it. Windows updates, do it later. I liked Patch Tuesday. When Patch Tuesday came to us, I thought, oh, thank heavens. I don't have this random scattering of of stuff I have to do. Like I kind of thought I owned the computer, but I guess I was wrong, you know? I, I like the shutdown where it says, okay, I'm shutting down. You close the machine, you put it in your bag, and two hours later when you're on the airplane, you reach into your you bag. And it's it, sitting in the bag cooking itself. Yes, burns your fingers trying to get that thing yeah. out of the bag. You're like, ah, uh, that can't be good. Unless, oh, the other thing, too, is that if you own a Surface... I'm rooting for Surface. Not, forget the Surface Pro. That's just a little laptop. But I'm rooting for the Surface. I want the Surface to do well because it has some wonderful, wonderful features. And this is from a guy who lives with his iPad as well. Uh, and I really want it to win. But, you know, man, if, uh, do you work much with a regular RT Surface? Uh, yeah, I had two floating around the house. But, you know, I don't try and work with it. It doesn't travel with me. They're, they are in front of the TV computers. Oh, okay, okay. So just, just what's, you know, Stacey says, what's that actress? And you that, look it up on IMDb. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Um, so, no, no, I, I, I travel with mine. I travel with mine because I like having an iPad that has a, a, a wonderful keyboard. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, that the touch keyboard, and especially the new type keyboard. The type keyboard with the illumination on it? With the illumination is really nice. It's really good. It's, it's really, really cool. And, uh, you know, we talked about, briefly, about the not having to customize. I think they're getting that slowly, and I'll give you an example. OneNote. If you'd asked me about OneNote three years ago, I would have been like, yeah, whatever, one day we'll see. But I live my life with Outlook Notes. You know those little yellow notes you can have on Outlook? That, yep. Okay. Almost no one uses them. I have 729 of them because in the last um, – that's not an exaggeration. Because in the last like 15 years – when I get a little factoid or I want to collect some ideas, I stick them in there. Mm-hmm. And what's great is that Apple syncs them to my iPad, my iPhone, and things like that. But the Surface doesn't, doesn't sync or didn't sync them no. until we got Outlook for the Surface. And so I, I've started working with, with OneNote. And again, many of our listeners will be far ahead of me on this. But I got to say, I'm liking it. I mean, I'm not that interested in drawing with ink, and I'm not that interested with you know, pointing a movie camera at something and embedding and, and, and it in there. But I do like the fact, if we had to say what's the single best thing Windows 8 did, Windows 8 made SkyDrive make sense for me. Yep. Right? You know, it's like, because you've got that surface and you don't want to have to worry about syncing and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, the idea of me saving something to the cloud wasn't just something I would do. But, you know, SkyDrive is good enough. And, of course, the price is right. Yep. And I've been using it long enough that I've got 25 gigs, not that I'll ever use it. And um, Oh, and it's now OneDrive, right? They've decided to change the name. They've lost another lawsuit. I'm sorry, what, what, what do they do? They've lost, Microsoft's lost another lawsuit, can't call it SkyDrive anymore. Now it's going to be called OneDrive. What? Really? Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, you and I must start calling, my friend. We could be IP lawyers and living... <laughs> Clearly. Living off the fat of the lands, you know? So, but, uh, I did not know that. I did not know that. That's, yeah. false. That's horrible. But, you know, you, the thing about SkyDrive, OneDrive, the way it's integrated into the OS is OneNote, you just put the OneNote file up there and every machine has action to it. It just works. 
And you know, they've done a great job. You, you know, I'm, look, I'm here to pick on Microsoft. That's what I do most of. But having worked with the various OneNotes, the, the Metro, the modern app version, the desktop version, the one on the iPad, uh, I gotta say, you know, like they've done a really nice job with it. Yeah. Uh, like for example, I told you, I'm, uh, I play with PowerShell a little bit every day because I want to get smarter at it. And I learn about three things every day. And I've got a OneNote about it every time I've learned something. And it's just, it just made life so much better. Just so, so much better. So, I mean, um, it is possible within a Windows 8 framework to make things better. Yep. But let me give you an example where they haven't done that. Uh, you, uh, like me, use Link. That would make me miss live meeting, you know? But that's Link. And the other day, I was going to be at one of these product group interactions. And for those who don't know what that means, I'm, a, I'm an MVP, Microsoft MVP in directory services, which means the directory services guys are nice enough every year to spend a couple of days and let me and the other MVPs talk to them. And they'll do these product group interactions where they'll talk to us for an hour about we're thinking about doing this. Would that be a good idea? Or, hey, here's some cool stuff we're going to tell you before we tell anybody else. And it's great stuff. But a lot of it's listening. So I've got the Surface sitting on my elliptical. And... I'm listening, and the problem is that every time someone types a comment, because you can make a comment along the lines of, oh, ha, and a lot of it's just the 25 of us all yakking amongst ourselves. Right. The, the, I don't know if you, you have, probably haven't done this, but the Surface Link app, when someone pops that window up, the audio goes offline while the window's up. Oh, no. <laughs> so, I'm not saying Windows 8 the way it is. is <laughs> I'm not saying Metro apps are the way to go, but if they're done right... It's a very good news. Yes, needs to be better. Mark, we've uh, ripped through time as usual. I think... Uh, wasted... So, hang on a second. Let me say this. Well, you've done it again. You've wasted a half an hour. <laughs> but, you know, it sort of really sets sets some thinking around. It, we've got to get rid of XP. Uh, and Microsoft sticking to their guns. It's over in April 2014. I, first of all, first of all, it, it, it's already over. If yeah. you go into a Fortune 500, uh, and you and I do that, then I'm going to say I never see XP Not anymore. No, maybe on some sales machines because they haven't gotten around to updating them or something. And like ATMs, that. it's from bloody ATMs that are still running XP. No, 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 no. Embedded, a whole different animal. Yes, but but, but I'm, I'm saying I'm saying okay. Phase one, a company of any size. I'm going to say the Fortune 1000. I'm guessing that. You know, 999 of them have moved from XP because yes. Apple's not running Windows in the first place. Huh. And so, and in terms of small businesses, I think ultimately seven is, seven will, I, I think that XP will, except for embedded XP, will be gone in a year because people just have to upgrade their systems, A and B. It's so cheap. I mean, Richard, if I need an extra machine. Yeah. Like, I want to, you know, play with deploying something relatively modern. It, it, I hate to sound like an old man, but it astounds me that I can buy some wonderful refurb Asus, Asus laptop for $250. Yep. My first PC, I spent $450 for a 320K floppy drive, for God's sake. Yep. So that's $1981. Yeah. So um, I just think that a lot of people are either going to put their computers away altogether and just live with their iPads. Yeah. In which case, XP goes away. Yeah. Well, they're going to buy a new computer, and the new computer's got Windows 7 on it, or it's got Windows 8 on it. It's a great argument, Mark, that uh, the most likely upgrade path from XP is not to another Windows OS, but to a tablet. Right. I mean, it could be Android. 
you know, or yeah. something along those lines. If you can still get by with XP right now, you're, you can move to a tablet. Uh, you know, once the security patches stop coming out, you know, in December of 2014, if you're, or, you know, let's be nicer, let's say summer of 2015, if you put an XP box on the internet, my guess is, will be that your machine will be owned within three days. Yeah. If it isn't three minutes. Yeah. Maybe that will be the real end of XP. Once there is a really good exploit that isn't on the fix. And there's lots of little things, too. I mean, even if I'm not technical, if I have a laptop and I'm walking around and there are wireless networks all around, XP is so much more painful dealing with wireless networks oh, sure. than Vista or 7 or 8. So, I don't know. I, I, I think XP is a... It's a it's it's a it's a done deal. I, I think that Microsoft. I, I think a lot of people are going to be mad when Microsoft starts removing support on Windows Seven. Yeah. Because I mean, desktops. I don't know when. Could be ten years. Could be a hundred years. But the idea of a desktop computer isn't going to exist for much longer. That's an and, interesting conversation, and probably a whole other show. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No. But I'm saying just so just you know put that in you know listeners put Le- the pen on that. Leave it out um, there. Laptops, you know, will not exist for much longer than that. I mean, for those of us that information workers, and everybody listening to this broadcast is, is an information worker, but if you're, you know, somebody's mom, or if you are somebody's, you know, dad, and the dad's a, I don't know, I mean, not an information worker, then it's a lot of stuff to drag around. For sure. A lot of moving parts. All I can say is, thank you for listening, and don't drive like my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, thanks so much for talking to me. Take care. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio.